0: Hello, good people of podcast land, my fellow podcasters. It is Was Here with the Master and Un podcast again. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I posted episode 13, The Corrors Part 2, but I'm back here again. And uh, in the last couple of weeks since that last episode, and, and after a couple of episodes of Fly on the Wall podcast, it gives me a chance to kind of ponder what I'd like to talk about next on this one. been thinking about... Uh, <clears throat> Film scores and game scores, soundtracks, uh, for most part orchestral. It's something that uh, I'm surprised I hadn't sort of brought it up already, to be honest. It's something that I thoroughly enjoy, something I really get a lot out of, and always have. Uh, I think they have built in popularity over the years. Like people tend to, well, f- from my point of view anyway, seem to appreciate a good score a lot more than maybe was made of in the past. Maybe that's because they're, they're more accessible on all the the streaming services now, and, and because of the way that, say, Spotify works, it recommends uh, other similar things, give you a playlist of similarly uh, themed tunes and so on. So I think it's kind of opened the world up to stuff, you know, whether it's 50 years old, whether it's two years old. And I think that's a great thing. It sort of highlights some of the genius that's that's gone into the music behind films, games, Uh, theatre, whatever it might be. And yeah, I thought I'd talk about some of the things that I particularly like. I did have a conversation with my second eldest, my my son, because he's a big fan. I mean, all my kids tend to appreciate music in some form or another, but my two boys do tend to really appreciate uh, orchestral scores off certain things that they have enjoyed. Uh, And we're in agreement with some of them, particularly. Uh, I was a big fan, for example, uh, of the Assassin's Creed uh, Black Flag game score. They're all different, and they're all very, very uh, skillfully written, and, and they, they suit the the game in question, the story, the era that it's set in. They always pick something that seems to just match it in perfectly, syncs up with that time frame, makes you feel like transported into that time frame. But Black Flag, particularly, because I just really liked that ex- escapism. I talked about it in the, the games, PC games and everything across the ages. Did mention it briefly. That was That is one of my favourite games. It's uh, by Brian Tyler, The Score. And it, there's a little bit of a hint of, say, Pirates of the Caribbean in there, the, the main theme. But in a lot of ways, I prefer it. I, I think that the, the it's called... Down here, I'm not going to be able to think of the name of it under the black flag, and there's also the high seas. The high seas is actually the one I'm thinking of, but the Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag uh, suite, as they call it, yeah, the, the, the scores suite where they play, I guess, the signature uh, tunes from the thing, but they play it as a live set you know maybe seven or eight minutes long is just a fantastic piece of music and i'd highly recommend having a look at it if you can particularly as a as an orchestra as an orchestra playing it live there's lots of that available lots of bands these days lots of orchestras tend to play famous uh film score soundtracks and themes etc so they're easy enough to find and I, i don't know it's just it's brilliant stuff it really evokes that era so that's definitely one of my favourites. That's Brian Tyler. And he's, he's known for actually quite a lot of work um, over the last few years, particularly because he's kind of picked up um, in the, the kind of movies that he's worked on. I don't remember all of them specifically because I was mainly a fan of that work. But there's also did the, the score for Modern Warfare 3, the Call of Duty game. Far Cry 3, it's another great game, one of my favourites again. Um, but also, say, Iron Man 3. And, and there's actually quite a few uh, sort of tentpole pictures that he's done the score for in the last few years as well. I think even The Amazing Spider-Man he may have done, even though Amazing Spider-Man 2 was then scored by uh, Hans Zimmer. So uh, that's Brian Tyler, and particularly the Black Flag game score. If that's not one that you've listened to before, I'd, I'd recommend giving it a listen and appreciate it on a audio level only, and uh, yeah, you get as much out of it as I have. But uh, in mentioning uh, Hans Zimmer, or Hans Zimmer, he is a very, very uh, prolific score writer and, and uh, composer that's sort of worked over the years, and I mean, some of the earliest stuff that I can recall is that he worked on The Lion King, but, but these people have often started way, way back um, as... Uh, as composers and orchestrators and, and even parts of orchestras at some stages as well in their early career. But he, he's known for everything from uh, the Dark Knight series. Well, working with Christopher Nolan, I think, in general, he's done Inception, Interstellar, the Dark Knight, you know, Batman Begins, Dark Knight Returns, uh, Dunkirk, Gladiator, Pirates of the Caribbean, as I mentioned before. It just keeps on going. Uh, and Amazing Spider-Man 2, as I also uh, mentioned before as well. And, I mean, he, he's got a great style about him. It's not quite as distinctive as... So I've definitely got some favourites that I'll bring up shortly. Uh, but I appreciate Hans Zimmer's sort of a, uh, knowledge of the music. If you watch him in a live setting, he has a, it, it looks informal the way that he sort of directs it. Orchestrates and conducts his orchestra because he's often playing an instrument as well with his piano, guitar and so on and it really, it sort of creates the vibe that he's not leading uh, it's, everyone's on show and I did definitely like that I know he's done some concerts with a certain orchestra over the years they tour around, they'll play a lot of the suites of the, the films that he's worked on and uh, oh, I'd love to go to one of those one day because I think that It'd be a really rich experience, you I know. Mean, you'd cover so much ground and be, be thinking, "Wow, I didn't realise he did this. Oh, I didn't realise he did this," and have them all tied together in this beautiful, cohesive kind of um, set. I hate calling it a set. Sounds a little straightforward. Um, but yeah, he's he's a great he's a great orchestrator and conductor. And Pirates of the Caribbean is probably up there for me. I mean, I think what I'm saying is I like the sea shanty sort of feel, the swing. In that music music and uh, it's yeah uh, that for me would be up there and, and also the Dark Knight itself the film the Dark Knight that was a really distinctive uh, score and I think it really helped the movie itself stand out as well the the Joker theme which it's a little it's a little unexpected the sort of the, the crescendoing note that he does for the the Joker theme it's, it's a really heightened tension way of uh, conveying it. You wouldn't say it's it's a normal piece of music, but it works perfectly in that setting and in certain moments in the film as well. Um, Moving on from there, and I'm sorry, I'm going to shoot through this today because I think I'm on limited time, so now I get get ready to ramble and then uh, I remember that I've got (laughs) got things to cover, things to do. Uh, So moving straight on from there, just thinking of all the highlights and and all the, the composers that I've loved over the years, I there's also Jerry Goldsmith. Now he he's been around for so long. Well, I'm, I'm fairly sure he might have passed away. But he before that, his career spanned many many decades. And uh, for me, as a as a younger fellow, uh, I loved the Rambo scores. And Rambo was a real key sort of feature in our household, and I enjoyed it many 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 times with my brothers. And we. You, you get used to the theme. It's something that you imagine It's in your head when you're dressing up as soldiers and putting your camouflage on. And so Jerry Goldsmith's score just works beautifully. And he's also done distinctive movies like Alien, the first Alien, Total Recall, uh, Outland, which is something that Eero, of course, my mate Eero, brought up the other day as he, he'd watched. And we, would, we briefly discussed it as sort of being a, a space western uh, he also scored that, and, and there's countless others, could just keep on going. But this is a bit of a featurette, just talking about certain ones. If you've never heard of these composers and you've never heard of the films, or you didn't realize that they scored these films, you know, and you've got any interest, jump on YouTube and just literally search it, and you'll be able to find an example, whether it's the, the entire score or whether it's the main theme and it just teaches you so much in such a brief amount of time because without the movie there you can really sit and listen and appreciate the the whole mood and tone that just the music will evoke so moving on from good old jerry we have elliot goldenthal now i'm not a massive fan i haven't followed his work as much he's a little bit uh, unconventional as far as uh, composition goes and also the kind of music, he's he very much into using electronic instruments in there as well. Uh, some of his more distinctive work is like Blade Runner, but also I particularly uh, remember and appreciate the Alien 3 score. It's, it's, uh, it's very much a noise scape. It uses a lot of drama and, uh, and kind of spook out noises to build the tension and set the tone and I think it works really, really well. People aren't as big on Alien 3 as the, the previous two movies, but the the score for Alien 3, I think, lifts the movie to the same level as well. I think the score has as much to do with its effect as the the filming itself, the, the work itself. So it's definitely something that I would suggest having, having a listen to as well. Up loud at night is a, is a very, very cool time to... To give it a try because it really does show you what uh the right music can do for for a movie and uh yeah it's definitely a good example so moving on from there look at this just getting so much stuff other stuff that he has also done is blade runner interview with the vampire demolition man which was a stallone vehicle back in the day if anyone remembers it i actually loved that movie so <laughs> it's definitely one that that i remember I was literally just, uh, you know, doing a bit of a brainstorm trying to remember the movies that, I, that stuck out for me um, with these composers. And it's actually quite exciting to realise just how many work in the field, but also how many great movies are part of their work as well, that come in under the banner of their work. So another one, and this, uh, this was something that crosses over genres too, because he did work with Metallica at one point in the late 90s for an album they did called S&M. And I hadn't realised just how prolific this fellow was. So this is Michael Kamen, uh, and he was the, the composer who they basically played their own songs. They, didn't, they, they did do a couple of originals, but they were all original uh, Metallica songs that, from all the different albums, then scored as well in the background, had an orchestra playing and amazing just how effective it is and as a live recording it's fantastic it it really is bigger it's larger than life Uh, so that was probably the first time i was introduced to him as a composer but then hadn't realized that he was the composer on the lethal weapon series and the die hard series and uh, that was quite exciting because they're, they're a film series that you know I think everyone probably knows of, but he's also done uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and Highlander, What Dreams May Come, a highly underrated movie uh, with Robin Williams in it. The Last Boy Scout, which was probably the same, an underrated movie with good old Bruce Willis in it. But then Event Horizon as well, and that was one uh, that I talked about when we were discussing horror movies last time. And it has a bit of a mixture of some contemporary music in there as well, but there's this wonderful crossover orchestral stuff that Michael Kamen composed, and it, it really does work very effectively as a, as a mood piece, uh, in the same way that Alien 3 does, really. In a lot of ways, it has this sort of similar way of evoking terror. Um, but yeah, brilliant piece of work. Uh, and then, sort of staying on the same theme with the sci-fi, we've got James Horner, and the first time I'd sort of you know, noticed him was with Aliens. Apparently, a very rushed score, uh, because James Cameron had, uh, you know, a cut of the movie, and wanted to see it with uh, its score all settled within about three or four weeks, I think. So the pressure was on. I'm not sure how long a composer would normally get to put together a score for for a movie. I know that there's a lot involved. They have to work on timing cues, so they often work with a stopwatch and. Uh, different editors and, and people that will sort of let them know where their cues are and moments of drama, certain scenes, how much of it needs to have music uh, in there and, and how much doesn't. Because some movies are literally from start to finish full of some form of background scoring and then others will have, you know, say for a two-hour movie you might have 40 minutes worth of score and, and it sort of drops in and out in the right moments. But it's, it's all about timing it's all about getting those cues exactly right then composing uh, the music into those slots and I think for for anyone who works in that field let alone just composing music in general it must be an awfully challenging thing to take a film's theme and then work it into these moments that have to appear throughout a movie. I think when you get it right, it's a magical uh, thing, it's a magical result, but it must be extremely challenging to work, and then particularly under pressure, like uh, James Horner did with Aliens. But I think he did a sterling job. Uh, I think he was nominated, I'm not sure he won, he might have won an award, like a Saturn award, uh, for music direction for Aliens but I know I certainly know that he won others for some of his other work. He also did Avatar. Um, It it sort of didn't show up as much for me the the Avatar theme. Um, You know there's certain movies you can think of the theme in a heartbeat and that's where they're truly successful and we've still got a couple of really key people that i have got to mention very soon that are you know the masters, the grand masters of creating signature pieces of music. I'm sure you're already thinking of them now. Uh, But James Horner also did uh, Willow with uh, Val Kilmer, back in the day, a Ron Howard movie. Commando, that was with Arnie. I didn't realize that until I was sort of actually having a a bit of a look and seeing what was happening. Braveheart, now that was actually a nominated, I think, uh, award-winning score for that. Now that does stand out more. That was an epic movie, and I think its music definitely added to that um, scale of its uh, its size and its feel. Uh, The Rocketeer, Enemy at the Gates. And uh, and Patriot Games, and and something that I realised in Patriot Games, and then also in some other work, uh, was that sometimes a composer will use, it's their own music, but they will use certain parts of it in more than the one movie. They won't compose a fully original piece for each and every one. Uh, There was was a, a tune in Aliens that then popped up in Patriot Games, which... You know, as a tonal thing, you go, wow, okay, that doesn't sound like it would fit. But it seemed to work. It was like a descending note, and um, it was a sort of an uncomfortable kind of piece of music. It made you feel a bit on edge, and I think that that's what its purpose was. So it was quite subtle. It wasn't one of those big signature pieces in there, but. Um, Yeah, it was quite effective, but that was the first time I realised that some pieces could be used across movies. And the other distinctive one that I recall as well was Elliot Goldenthal. Now, he also scored Batman Forever, perhaps also Batman and Robin. But in Batman Forever, there's a a scene where there's, I think, an attack, there's like a gang attack on a couple, and they start sort of pushing the the girl around a little bit, and it looks like it could go towards something like sexual assault. But that is actually the same tune, I'm fairly sure, from Alien 3. Um, Sadly, where Ripley is getting attacked by a group of men in the junkyard. And the name of that song is Rape. And uh, they've used, yeah, I'm fairly confident that Elliot Goldenthal then used it in Batman Forever. So that's a little darker because, um, mainly because of that theme that's carried over from Alien 3. But I'm guessing that would happen frequently. In with with people composing film scores, they probably maybe feel like it was underused, and then want to bring it up again. Go, well, you know what? That was a great piece of music, and I didn't hear it enough in this movie. Let's squeeze it into this uh, score, and you know it'll add to the experience. But then also, don't have to compose something to fit that that cue. So, yeah, it was definitely a learning curve on, on in that regard. But uh, yeah, he he'd also done. Uh, now, I'm going to move on from there, so I was talking about them. Now, we're on to some of the main people. I have some favourites, and I also asked my son to give me a couple of his favourites because there's a few game soundtracks that are probably less familiar with the game itself, so I've really only been able to appreciate it from a musical point of view. But they are up there with my current favourite, uh, you know, scoring works. And uh, I think we'll go to them last just to sort of cap things off but these are my my favorite composers now John Williams there's you know he's a, a name synonymous with certain movie franchises he's done you know countless countless movies over the years he had a very very long and illustrious career in it but, you know, off the top of my head, you know, you can think of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Superman, Home Alone, Jurassic Park, E.T., Jaws. You know, it, the list keeps on rolling with his and, and he has that ability to make a signature piece. I mean, you think of Indiana Jones. Now, I was originally thinking oh, I'd need to have little snippets of all these these tunes, but I think it would be painful to play, you know, mere moments of it when... You know, I would want to show you everything. I'd want to show you the whole piece. Um, so I, you know, I really recommend if if this interests you at all, or it just inspires you to say, hey, you know what, I haven't heard that for a while. Look it up. You know, everything. We're very lucky now. Everything's online and streamable. You don't have to own it and go buy a CD or anything. So the, you know, the Indiana theme. The, the Star Wars theme, and there's, there's tunes within the Star Wars score that are so distinctive now. You know, the, the um, Imperial March is that one where basically every time Darth Vader pops up, you get it, and uh, you've got Luke's theme and Leia's theme, and they're what you know the movies to be. I mean, when you think of Star Wars, you think of the music, when you think of Indiana Jones, you think of the music. Superman. You know, you think of the music even when you're messing around. It's something that's basically burnt into our psyche. And I think that that is where John Williams is just the master of that ability to do it. They're not necessarily my my favourite pieces of all time, but they're certainly distinctive and they're right up there among the best of them because they're just, they're so there, they're so clear. It'd be very hard-pressed to find people that didn't recognise those tunes so he's definitely one of them from there on you you have uh you have basil polydorus and i'm fairly sure that's how you pronounce it someone that i didn't realize uh was a name in the field for a while it was something i probably learned about when i realized just how good the conan the barbarian score is it's a brilliant piece of of work uh, he's done many others, and he did do the sequel, Conan the Destroyer, but it's a lighter affair. Conan the Barbarian is the perfect evocative piece of work. It's, it has a lot of uh, brass wind instruments, like tubers and, and the heavier kind of... Here, I'm going to make a mistake telling you the names of instruments, so I'm not going to. But it, it is very, very tone-heavy, and it sounds perfect for the nature of the movie, particularly the main theme and even with the the little narration just before the start of it if you've never heard the the cone and the barbarian main theme from the the 1984 movie have a listen because it's just it, oh maybe even 1982 have a listen because it is it is a, a very distinctive piece and it works perfectly so that's where i discovered basil polydorus and and oh, i thought wow this this guy's excellent this is great stuff he also did um, the, the, the Hunt for Red October, which is another favourite movie of mine, so that's where I, I suddenly learned a bit more about him. I'm like, oh, who did this one? He's incorporated um, some Russian like, choir in there, and it, and it evokes the exact mood that it needs to from that movie. It's a, it's a sort of a Cold War thriller, submarine thriller, and if you've never seen it and you've never heard that score, that's also highly recommended. It just has the right... Amount of of, uh, of mood and atmosphere to to match it perfectly. Another one, which was a bit of a, it's an underrated movie, but it's also a bit of an odd title for the movie. I'm not sure how well known it is, but it's one that I remember from when I was younger. But it it actually has a massive score by Basil Polidurus called Quigley Down Under. It was a Tom Selleck uh, well vehicle in some ways. It also had Alan Rickman as the as the bad guy, the villain of the piece, it actually has some great music in it. Just perfect music. It's it's a sort of an Australian set Western um, with that difference of tone that being in Australia kind of brings. It's not a straight up Western movie. So it's it sort of needed something a little, maybe a little lighter, but not as um, traditional feeling as, as like a Western track but it really it is a brilliant score there's there's one called the chase i think it was called the chase and that's one of my favorite pieces ever because it's just got a great great feel to it the um he he also did starship troopers and robocop in very distinctive you know sci-fi future set movies and the starship troopers theme is like a, just a really big ominous militaristic sounding theme and Robocop again it evokes that exact thing you think of Robocop and you think of the theme and they're all Basil's work and uh, you know they're all highly recommended to have listened to so I'm sort of speeding through these but I think there's a lot of name dropping and, and pieces of work that really distinctive that I wanted to put across and convey before I ran out of time. (laughs) So forgive me for speeding through them, but look, if you have any questions or you want me to expand any detail on on any of them, feel free to to message me or comment on something on Swamp Swamp Bastard Guitars on Instagram, or also uh, send me an email at podcast at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to do so. Always very, very happy to have any feedback at all um, you know, because I haven't been maybe as on top of this as I should be, it probably has uh, gone a little quieter. And you know, I'm hoping to kind of keep people interested and you know motivated to tell me what they're into and, and uh, want to talk about, and discuss and hear about, and, and all that sort of stuff. So please, you know, if there's anything at all that, that crosses your mind and you know you're a bit shy about it, be bashful. Please don't be. You know, people like me, <laughs> I'm on two podcasts now, and you know, it's just good fun it's good fun and it's great to get the feedback it actually is very um, exciting and, and it really enthuses me for the next episode as well because it, you sort of got you've got material you've got some feedback you know that someone's going to be like highly aware of this one when it comes out so you know clearly going to have a good listen so please always feel free to make contact and say hi it'll be awesome to hear from you Rightio, so next one now This is probably one of my favourites, hands down. I've always liked Alan Silvestri, and this has probably been due to the Predator theme. The Predator theme is just a great piece of music. He, He did Romancing the Stone also, which was a Michael Douglas movie back in the 80s. But the Predator theme and Predator 2, he worked on Predator 1 and 2, they are just perfect pieces. They're maybe not the the same sort of thing as, say, John Williams' signature stuff that he's done on his movies, but I don't know. There's something about the Predator theme that works and I never get sick of it. It's one of those that I could listen to a hundred times in a row and you just love it. Uh, I think they've done versions where it's looped, (laughs) and uh, people have done that on the game versions that where there's been um, extra content, and they've basically looped the most distinctive part of that Predator theme, because you just can't get sick of it. It evokes exactly what it needs to. So uh, look, Alan Silvestri is known for also tons and tons of work, Uh, like Romancing the Stone, like I mentioned before, but Judge Dredd, which was another Stallone vehicle. Now, the movie itself had a bit of a critical kind of drubbing, but I would say that, again, this is one where the theme and the the score work was unsurpassed. It was brilliant stuff, and I think it was a shame if people wrote off the movie and therefore then lost any interest in listening to the soundtrack and score, because I think that's a, a bit of a shame. And, you know, I'd highly recommend giving even just the Judge Dredd theme, which is only a couple of minutes long, I listen because it's just a powerful piece of music. It works so well. It's pompous, and it's kind of—it uh, definitely suits a Stallone vehicle. But it's just brilliant. Yeah, it just—it it evokes exactly what it needs to. Like a, you know, say about a lot of these. The—he's also worked on Forrest Gump. Now that, that was one of those ones where it sort of transcends the, the genre. It becomes its own thing. I think the soundtrack for that is as brilliant as the movie is. It's such an emotional piece, but it's got some funny moments, some sad moments, some really inspiring, exciting moments, some action moments, and the score is there the whole time, kind of lifting it up and and carrying it along. So if you've never really paid much attention to the Forrest Gump soundtrack, definitely give it a listen, because as a partner piece to the movie, it's, it's irreplaceable. You, you know, you need it there, it's, it's brilliant. There's a piece in the background as he, I think for the first time when he first loses his, his leg braces and he's running away from bullies. There's also another one, it's a sort of similar scene when he's in the football stadium um, and he's running away from everybody <laughs> and he just runs. And I don't know, there's just such a moment of, uh, of excitement. It's a really emotional excitement and yeah, uh, you know, I'd just recommend having a listen if you get the opportunity because it's brilliant. It's a masterpiece. He also did Back to the Future, and that would, that would probably be next to Predator for me in terms of something that just fits the movie perfectly. I can't imagine Back to the Future without its theme. And, you know, uh, Silvestri's theme for it is just perfect. It has the right little elements of fun but action. And a little bit of drama, but sort of know, action adventure. It just inspires you. It excites you. It makes you think of the Delorean. It makes you think of Marty and Doc, you know, crossing time and and having all the all the the fun and good times that happen in the movies. But yeah, it's it, that's a brilliant piece and and one of my favourites. Uh, the Abyss is another one that he did. Castaway was another one, but it doesn't stand out as strong to me. But the abyss is another one where it sort of needed something a bit special, I think, to get the right vibe. It's a sci-fi, but it's set on Earth, um, and it, but it's underwater. So it needs to be a certain kind of feel in the track, and and I think that's one of those movies that a lot of people remember it, but maybe not as distinctively as some of the other pieces. That's a James Cameron picture again. Um, and look, it's a brilliant movie. I think get out and watch the movie if you can and just pay particular attention to Silvestri's score too because it, it, it is a brilliant piece of music. Uh, and brings us up to the fact that Silvestri was responsible for the Avengers movie soundtracks. Now, I'm not sure, I don't actually think he did um, the second one, Age of Ultron. I'm fairly sure he did the Avengers and then he did the Avengers Infinity War and Avengers. Uh, Endgame The second one I'm not sure who actually scored it But I don't think that he did it It's basically they use his main theme As the as the uh, Main influence On its scoring But it's not actually by him But he did that He also did G.I. Joe I think the two G.I. Joe movies It wasn't a particularly distinctive score And I, like I was talking to my son The Avengers theme is one of those things When I first heard it I wasn't that impressed I felt that it was a little bit safe it sounded like, oh yep, yeah, it's a superhero movie theme. It, it just sort of like a generic unpack the box, you know, put it in the, the player and off we go. Let's make a, a superhero movie with that in the background. I think what's clever about it, maybe this is where somebody like Silvestri really shines through, is that uh, as the movies have evolved and they got bigger, grander in scale, he's been able to use that simplistic theme and build upon it and alter it. And So where other parts of the main theme were a little less maybe in the earlier movies. He's built up their role in the in the later additions to it, and it's become something quite epic. So by the time when you're watching Endgame, and this is something that I've seen not too long ago, the, the music is everything to the moment. You're waiting for that theme to break out uh, because you know something great is going to happen or something momentous is going to take place. That's where... The Genius Lies, because, yeah, I certainly didn't appreciate it as much on the first couple of listens, but, yeah, the work that's been done to it and the where it's been uh, put into the movies, the cues where it, it happens and comes in, really do transform it, make it a classic piece. It's it's sort of up there now with, you know, the Superman and, um, I guess, well, maybe, oh, well, it's hard to say it's up there with Star Wars and... And Indiana Jones. But I think most people would be able to say, oh, that's the Avengers theme. It's become synonymous now with the Avengers, that theme. And so that's the genius of making it work, you know, hand in hand with a, with a piece of cinema. So that's that's awesome. So they're sort of my favourites. So I think Basil Polidorus, Alan Silvestri and John Williams, you know, you, you can't go past the work that they do. So if you're interested in any of this at all, I would highly recommend right up the top of the list, because you, you won't be the same again. If you've, if you've not heard it or been able to appreciate it, and you can go in with an open mind and appreciate it on a musical level, you will be rewarded. So that brings us up to, I've got one more to mention, um, as a bit of a crossover one, and then the two uh, composers pretty much, as far as I'm aware, sort of exclusively associated with games at this point. So first of all, we have Bear McCreary. Uh, I I think I was a bit confused with the stuff that he'd worked on. I I tend to muddle people up sometimes. Now, Bear McCreary is known for his work with, uh, well, he did the Walking Dead theme. Now, the the Walking Dead, that's the TV series, of course. It's a, a great theme. It works perfectly. It makes you think of a zombie thriller, you know, zombie apocalypse. It's got a spooky feel to it. It's distinctive, it's obvious. As soon as it starts, you know oh, it's The Walking Dead. So it's a brilliant little piece of music. Uh, as straightforward and simple as it sort of sounds, it is a brilliant piece of music. So yeah, if you've never even watched The Walking Dead, just have a listen to the theme song. It makes you think of the, the movies of old where you, know, you had the Friday the 13th and Halloween and some of the, the old classic uh, horrors where there's a very simplistic but, like The Exorcist as well, uh, simplistic but so effective with the main theme of, those, of the songs that, go, that head up those movies. So it, it definitely evokes the same kind of vibe. But he's also did uh, God of War, and my son particularly listed uh, Deliverance and Ashes as a couple of his favourites. Um, I've listened to the, the God of War soundtrack a little bit. It, for me, I liked it. I like it a lot. It's not quite as as up there for me as the, the next one that I'll mention uh, because it wasn't quite as fast-moving. I like something with a little bit of a pace, a bit of a rhythm to it. This one is very ominous, very foreboding, and I think that that's probably why he loves it, and I think it partners beautifully with the game, sort of an epic um, myth- mythological sort of journey. For this uh for the character in God of War, and <clears throat> it it does also make you think a little bit of the puzzle, the ba- puzzle the basil Polydorus score for Conan it has a similar kind of heavy uh old world ye old world kind of vibe to it which does actually partner up really well with the game and the nature of the game, old Nordic mythology and so forth, it, so I could see why he likes it so much. And, you know, even just putting it on when you're going to sleep and that, it, there's something about that kind of music that is very soothing. <laughs> so that was one that he wanted me to mention. Another one that he wanted to mention, and this is definitely one of my more recent favourites, two at the moment, mainly due to one track, but I've been appreciating a lot of the other work, and it's uh, a composer, Michael Salvatore, who is known for his work on the Destiny uh, games, and particularly Destiny 2, which he did himself. So there's uh, a couple of tracks on there that he's listed for me to mention, but my favourite being Dominus Gall, which is a little bit of a mishmash of other themes, all put together, uh, but, you know, as they, I uh, want to do with film soundtrack often the theme is used as a common a common melody but it's played at different uh, at different time signatures. It's played with a different character of you know sort of backing instruments and it, it can almost be played in endless uh, combinations to evoke a certain mood but still tie it back to that main theme. So Dominus Gaul is a great example of that where they've actually used some of the main uh, destiny theme in there, but they've they've uh, they've put it all together into this really epic track. And if you were to, say, try out some of these game soundtracks, Dominus School is a great starting point, because you'll be floored straight away. It's just a really distinctive piece, it's strong. Uh, there were two others, which was uh, Gunslinger and Regicide. Gunslinger, I think, is of a slightly different character, if I can recall. Correctly, I'm sure he'll let me know if I'm wrong, but I feel like that that's off one of the, the I keep going to say expansion packs, but I think it's on the downloadable content that they they add to these games as they go and it sort of changes the theme a little bit. And uh, I recall him really liking the, the changes that they, they did put into the, the later installments as well. So if you've never heard of Michael Salvatore, just full stop give him a look, have a listen. Have a listen to Dominus Gould, see what you think, let me know and uh, you yeah, throw anything else into the mix if you've got a favourite composer or um, even just an artist that has done a lot of soundtracking work. Um, I'd be very curious to know because it's definitely something that I really do love and, and get a lot out of and like learning about as well. So the last but not least before I finish up for today, because it's going to be a little bit shorter today to make sure I actually do it, is Mick Gordon. Now this guy is an Australian chap, uh, and it might have rang bells for you if you're into gaming at all. He has done the Doom games, and it's what's cool about it is that it has brought this kind of intense industrial. Uh, uh, don't even know the name of the, the subgenre of metal because to me it's like industrial metal, but it is absolutely gut-tearingly intense (laughs) and it's brilliant really because it's it's effectively all the best elements of metal without all the guttural uh singing we'll do we'll say in inverted commas not everyone likes singing in metal at all but a lot of them appreciate the music and this is a perfect example of where you could just come in and listen to it on a musical level only um the, the couple that he's shown me, and I can definitely second what he said, are the BFG Division and Rip and Tear. Welcome to Hell is another one. I can't recall the distinctive uh, tune of that one, so I'll have to go back and have a listen. But BFG Division and Rip and Tear, I definitely recall, and they are just insane. You know, it's just insane, and it just makes you want to jump up and down and kill demons, which is the whole idea of the game. Um... So I'm not sure what the the game producers necessarily were thinking of when the, when they wanted him to come in and score it. That was probably not what they had in mind. <laughs> but I think he showed them what he had, and it's just yeah, it's just epic, and it's cool that it's still relevant in 2019. And he I think was pretty much the only option for the, the follow-up for Doom, you know, for Doom, which is Doom 2 coming soon, I think, unless it's out already. Um, it evokes for me Fear Factory which is a, an industrial metal band I think they're still going now but they were sort of first around back in the early 90s and um, you know, I showed my, my boys uh, a little bit of their work and they weren't too impressed because <laughs> it's not as massive as this Mick Gordon production stuff and I guess that's because tech has made it possible to make it so so hard hitting that it's just, you, you can't you can't beat it, really. Um, But that's what it made me think of, if you're familiar with Fear Factory. It's like the music of Fear Factory, intensified and turned up to 13, and it just goes off. So as a bit of a change to the orchestral-based sort of scoring of games and uh, and movies, that is an exception to the rule, I think, because it, it sort of breaks the boundaries a little. It works beautifully as a score and soundtrack to that kind of game, and it's distinctive as well. It sort of has its own signature. I think if you heard that tune, say Rip and Tear or BFG Division, you would know. You'd be like, aha, ah, ha, that's the Doom song. That's the one from Doom. And so yeah, I'd highly recommend giving it a listen if you've never heard of it before, if you've never heard of Mick Gordon. It's cool that he's Australian of course because that's where I'm from. So it's nice to know anyone's doing well in that way and, and making waves um, overseas by, by working on some of these you know little pieces. So yeah, good on you, mate. Uh, so that brings us up to the end. I'm not sure how long I've been talking for. I'm just gonna check out where I'm at in terms of my recording. Yeah, it's been a bit of a shorter episode today. It's probably not a bad thing. <laughs> um, I'll be back soon, hopefully, with episode 15. This is episode 14. I'm not sure if I've even said that yet. So this is episode 14. And uh, yeah, I'll be back with episode 15 very soon, hopefully. I'll actually start thinking about what I'm talk about. So message me, let me know, ask me, tell me what to do. Tell me what to talk about. It's nice to have the the um, the influence and the encouragement and inspiration from other people. So get in touch, don't be shy, say hello. Say what you've liked, say what you haven't liked, that's all good. I'm very open to conversation about it in any way whatsoever. But until the next time, look after yourselves, have fun, enjoy something that you love, you know, have a listen to some of these scores if you're interested, um, or just enjoy the music you do, you love, and, and tell me about it. And yeah, take care, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, talk soon. Bye.